Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. If you're snacking on anything but tasty cake, you're making a huge Miss Cake. A fistful of chocolate-covered raisins? Miss Cake. A spoonful of peanut butter? Bigger Miss Cake. Or the worst Miss Cake of all, your kid's Halloween candy, and it's April. If it's not tasty cake, it's a Miss Cake. Because nothing satisfies like a perfectly sweet butterscotch crimpet. Or rich and creamy chocolate peanut butter candy cake. Tasty cake. Except no substitute. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Billboard.com Pop Shop Podcast. My name is Keith Caulfield, and I am the co-director of charts at Billboard. The Billboard Pop Shop Podcast is your one-stop shop for all things pop on Billboard's weekly charts. In addition, you can always count on a lively discussion about the latest pop news, fun chart stats and stories, new music, and guest interviews with music stars and folks from the world of pop. Today on the show, we've got Coming Around Again with Billboard.com Senior Associate Editor Andrew Unterberger, and it's one of three pop shop shows this week focusing on all things Taylor Swift. Andrew will be going deep into Swift's catalog alongside Billboard's Deputy Editor Digital Joe Lynch and Billboard's Editorial Director Jason Lipschitz. The guys chat about each of Swift's six albums, including her latest, Reputation, as well as some of their biggest Taylor-related memories and whether or not they can separate Taylor the songwriter from Taylor the pop star. But first, before we get started, if you enjoy the podcast, subscribe to the show on iTunes so you won't miss an episode and give us a rating or review while you're at it. And if you want to explore more podcasts from Billboard, visit iTunes.com slash Billboard Podcasts. So we talk about uh, some of the the Taylor-related memories that we're going to get into just in a second on Coming Around Again. Here's my Taylor-related memory. I have uh, sort of one really good vivid one. Uh, it was backstage at the American Music Awards probably in 2000, golly, 13 maybe? I want to say yeah, 12 or 13. And um, I had a sit-down interview with Taylor. Granted, it was all about like three or four minutes long. But uh, I remember just sort of being bowled over by how like uh, lovely and friendly and funny that she was. And um, we made jokes. Uh, I had, I had terrible puns and she called me out on them and uh, she complimented my uh, tie tack and my glittery shoelaces. So uh, I had, I, it was lovely. Uh, And I, and I felt like I had a tiny bit of scoop maybe where she, uh, she talked a little bit about uh, her uh, her her album that would, the album that she was working on at the time that would come out like a full year later. I mean, I think that was the 1989 album, I believe. I could be wrong. I'm I'm kind of misremembering this as I go, but um, yeah, it was great, and she was lovely, and I would love to have her back on the pop shop again. So Taylor, if you're listening, feel free to call me, and we'll get you on the show like that. Anyway, so uh, let's talk all things Taylor Swift on Coming Around Again. Welcome to what is what is not quite uh, coming around again podcast. Uh, no, no real anniversary to celebrate this week, but since it's Taylor Swift Day week month here at Billboard, uh, figured have a couple special guests on to go deep on the back catalog. So we got uh, Jason Lipschitz and Joe Lynch from the Mustard Music Podcast. Wow, Hello. what's up? <laughs> how's, what's your, up? how's your Taylor Swift day going so far, guys? 
go. Very exciting. Sure. I'm really excited. Yeah. Reputation. I was I was worried that I was that this album would be a mess, and I, I mm-hmm. think it's pretty fantastic. See, you got, you guys were both at Billboard when 1989 came out, right? Yeah. Oh yes. yeah. So so how does this day compare to that day in terms of just general craziness or um, volume of posts or about the same? I would okay. say. I think this is a little easier. I think uh, that one things were a little more chaotic, and we've we've smoothed things out. <laughs> we're a well oiled machine at this point, <laughs> no doubt. But it's not our first rodeo. It's funny. I, I was. Uh, I, I ran into a coworker of ours like in the office today, and like she had just gotten some like big personal news that I didn't know about, and so she was like, "Oh yeah, it's a big day." And I was like, "Yeah, Taylor Swift album." <laughs> she was like, "No, actually," but like, yeah, I just I just assume that for everybody, this is like the national holiday that it is for us. Yeah, uh, it's right. it's fun. It's it's honestly fun because we're so removed from the era of like waiting in line at the CD store for the new release sure. that like. When this rare occasion happens where, like, it's kind of like the monoculture, everybody's mm-hmm. kind of listening to the same album, it's fun. Like, it just doesn't it really fun. happen that yeah. often. Yeah, and it, you don't see as much with the the long buildups as you used to, certainly. Like, so so often it's like, oh, my God, this album just came out, or this album is coming out in three days, and we need to just yeah. kind of panically address it. But uh, here we go. we got a little time to work up to it. we got to you know, get our get our ducks in order. Ducks, mm-hmm. ducks in a row. Ducks in a row. row. Yeah. Those two. So I wanted to have you guys on to kind of you know do a run through Taylor Swift's back catalog. Uh, we we had uh, five great essays that went up this yeah, week. Yeah, congrats, congrats to you, and congrats to all the writers on that. Yeah, yeah those were fantastic. I, I was I was a big fan of those. Uh, so if you haven't checked those out, we had one one writer each arguing about the five albums being her best uh, from self titled up until 1989, and uh, who knows if, if Reputation will be able to to make one of those arguments one of those days, but. Yeah. Uh, the now. one bone I had to pick with that is that you ignored her Christmas album. That's true. <laughs> Would you like to make the argument right now? Argument. <laughs> That's her finest release. Easily. Yeah. What, what's that? Uh, there, there's like some really religious songs on there too, which was really interesting to hear from Taylor. I got to be honest, I've never heard that full album. Yeah, so. Me neither, honestly. Yeah, you're not coming correct with the Taylor Swift. <laughs> I know. It's not on, like, I don't, is it on iTunes still? Like, I don't think it is. I don't think so. It's definitely not on streaming. It's it very difficult. Certainly to not to. on streaming. Yeah. yeah, I think it's a tough one to track down, oh. but. We can go further on the Christmas album in a minute, but uh, so before before we get into the proper albums, I just wanted to kind of ask you guys, like, how, how are you feeling about Taylor Swift these days? I mean, not even talking about the new album or the new songs, but just that's you know, kind of a low point for her in, in her kind of media tenure. You know, she she had a very very long ascent uh, in terms of public approval, and then yeah. the bottom kind of fell out for her. And now it seems like everything she does, people want to jump on her for it. Sometimes rightly, sometimes maybe less so. So, what, what, what's the temperature for you guys on Taylor these days? Go ahead, Joe. I saw a great tweet um, from, I don't remember who, so shout out to whoever, um, whoever's tweet that I'm going to paraphrase. Uh, yeah, shout out to Twitter for good ideas. Um, no, I saw a great tweet that was like, this is like maybe the first album, which is probably not true, but to benefit from like reverse backlash. And I think there's mm. a lot of truth to that. I think expectation, I mean, as you know, high as expectations were for sales, I think expectations for quality of the album were very low, even among fans. Yes, I say. And I think the fact that it's, I mean, I think it's great, but even if you're not like a stand for the album, like there's no way you're gonna listen to it and be like, "Ooh, what a clunker!" Like it's it's a solid album, like, yeah. and so I think in that sense, kind of, I mean, maybe she she played her expectations. I don't know. Like she's a, she's a master. <laughs> I mean, I think I think it helps um, the fact that like the backlash she received wasn't for anything really that serious. Like, and we kind of we we kind of wrote about this when "Look What You Made Me Do" came out, and she was kind of assuming like a little bit of a villain role and it's like you think about it like all right like she might have been disingenuous in like as revealed in on snapchat Mm -hmm. she didn't tell us who she voted for like at the end of the day it wasn't any like crimes or like really like hateful speech yeah. or anything yeah. like it was we're, we're it certainly was... seeing people get canceled for a lot worse yeah these days. right especially yeah, yeah. now yeah especially yeah. in 2017 so tame. pretty tame stuff overall so um obviously i think that a lot of this album and a lot of her past year has been kind of figuring out how, how to recover from that mild backlash because it's really the first that she's ever faced mm-hmm. um i think that with 1989 people were a little um more tired of of taylor just because it had been an album every two years and it was kind of pristine all the time there was no like false movements and one of the things i i really like about this album is that it's kind of leaning into you know i wrote about this today kind of leaning into those flaws it's like it's it's definitely a self-examination and and i i think that's kind of what we needed to hear like it's 
both lyrically she's kind of owning her messiness and like musically the album's kind of messy and i like that Mm -hmm. so yeah i had an editor i think in late 2014 or early 2015 that just said to me once like like totally unprompted like man i just want to see taylor lose yeah i I just want to see her take an l like yeah and that was kind of the sentiment at the time it was just like 1989 had had been such a mass moment and it lasted for so long and the acclaim was was getting a little overwhelming i think people really wanted an ex- and maybe not an excuse to hate her, but at least like a reason to kind of. I think people always reason want to, to see someone fail. Yeah, like, and, and it's it, just the way humans work. And, 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 and like justification for but... kind of being sick of her in general, I think. Uh, and they certainly got that in the two years. Well, separate. well, and I yeah, and I I agree, but I think I don't think it's about wanting everyone to fail. I think it's want, uh, wanting that arch- archetype to fail of mm-hmm. like the perfect like queen sure. bee, like everything's kind of come easy, like picture-perfect image. I mean, people don't want to see Adele fail, but Adele is, like, grassy and earthy. And, like, but I think that the fact that Taylor was so buttoned up, um, and on this album, she's not, like, on in a, in a really genuine way. Um, I don't know. Yeah, and, like, the, the thing that I was talking about uh, with, with our, our co-writer Nick earlier today was that, like, with Taylor, it's always about reconciling the, kind of the two versions of her, and that's Taylor yeah. Swift, the songwriter, and Taylor Swift, the pop star. Yeah. And Taylor Swift, the songwriter, is perfect. Yeah. I mean, maybe not always, but like generally speaking, she's a ten out of ten as a songwriter. Yeah. Like it, that, mm-hmm. if if that was all people knew of her, she would still be a star, a legend of some sort. Yeah. But yeah. as a pop star, she's very imperfect. Yeah. And like, she makes a lot of wrong moves, and she does a lot of things that. You know, end up. It, it, it seems like she's kind of crafting the perfect narrative for herself, but she doesn't quite understand the full scope of it, and ends up kind of coming back to bite her. And so, like, what we've gotten a lot of the last two years is Taylor Swift, the imperfect pop star. Yeah. And I think people just needed to get Taylor Swift, the songwriter, again. And I think that she did that with this album. But we can talk more about that, uh, you know, later on this discussion. Right now, I want to kind of take it back to the beginning. Yeah. Uh, Taylor Swift, first album, two thousand and six. Uh, Where. What was the first song you guys remember hearing from this album from Taylor Swift in general? Oh, I didn't know. I didn't know this album until after Fearless. Came. Oh, yeah, really? Same. Yeah, I, I caught wind of. I mean, I was I was aware of the name, but not being a country person, um, I I didn't start listening to her till Fearless, and then I think I think maybe Picture to Burn or uh, Tear Dust on My Guitar okay. was the first yeah. one from this album that I became aware of, and I watched the videos and I was like, this is. I was like, it's a little extra, but I kind of like that about it. This was definitely like the last time she wasn't unavoidable was on yep. this, this album. Yes. Uh, like yeah, like it, it had hits, like top twenty hits on, on, on the Hot One Hundred and you know, big country hits, but definitely nothing on the level of what would happen in the albums to come. Uh I remember downloading Tim McGraw for the first time when that like it was it was a little bit after it was popular, but like I saw its name, I thought it was interesting. And like you know, I wouldn't have been able to predict that she was going to become the biggest pop star in the world, but you can tell pretty quickly there's something different about her. Like, there's yeah. just a little bit more detail. There's a mm-hmm. little bit more shading. Uh, the, the songs just kind of, just, they just go a little bit further than, than your average country song. Uh, and I, I, I wasn't quite, like, hooked from the beginning, but I was like, all right, I, I, it was like, you kind of tab it. It was like, oh, I'll come back sure. to her. Yeah. Uh, I definitely didn't anticipate the next 10 years from that point. But uh, so presumably you guys have heard the album since then. Uh, how does it hold up for you? It's a, I mean it it's kind of you know talking about Adele it's it's kind of her 19 where it's just like she's kind of feeling her way um there are some standout singles but at the same time it's just like there's there's some filler on that album um somebody obviously wrote about how it's her best I I, I think that it it would be hard to say that it's her best um after what she's done as an albums artist afterward I think mm-hmm. that it you know it, it kind of sounds like she had a couple singles and needed to have some window dressing around it and put it out but yeah yeah i think that's fairly accurate i mean i think but also when you keep in mind that she was like 16 at the time yeah it kind of like forgives all those things you're kind of like all right like if a 16 year old can do this and like what you're saying like the incredible um attention to lyrical detail that like really brings you into these very particular scenarios like in that sense it's very impressive shout out to uh so as as our one of our chart managers alex vitoulis will tell you um, young Taylor Swift came into Billboard's office in either 2006 or 2007, wow. performed in our cafeteria. 
for in our old office. We had a cafeteria. Yeah, what? Yeah, there was, yeah, there was uh, like a not. Well, it wasn't. Trust me, it was. <laughs> it was smaller than our cafeteria now. It's just Italian dunkers every day, basically. Yeah. Well, what was like the best item, like the go-to item at the cafeteria? <laughs> it just like I don't know. It just like had like Fish a vending sticks. machine. Legit, yeah. like Taylor Swift, a thousand percent, like performed in front of our vending machine <laughs> in 2006, cool. 2007. Yeah, yeah, I remember. Yeah, there were definitely artist performances in that in that area. That was kind of what broke her, right? Yeah, that was it. <laughs> that was the first people I'd saw. Heard it. Yeah. If you can perform in this cafeteria, yeah. you can perform anywhere. The vending mm-hmm. machine sessions. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. those are the days. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I mostly agree with you guys. I, I've, I, listening to it again recently, I'm a little bit more charitable towards the second half of the album, the kind of non-singles half of it. And I love that actually. Our song, which was the, the biggest hit off the yeah. album, is the last track on the album. Yeah, I, I forget about. But uh, you know, it's 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 interesting to hear. You know, this was obviously her most country album, and it's interesting to hear the way she kind of leans into her countryness in ways that she wouldn't from any point after that. Yep. Like you, you mentioned, uh, "Picture to Burn." There's like one point where she's like, she talks about like going out with all of your best friends. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, she's wow. kind of putting on <laughs> an affectation there. I mean, <laughs> and I don't know. Do you do you remember the problematic lyric on that song that like she had to I remove? I definitely from it? remember that. Yeah. yeah, I do not. It was I'll tell everyone you're gay. Yeah, which, and which, then what did she change it to? I think it's just like oh, and, and by the way, or like something like, like that. Wow. Say. They, it definitely definitely scrubs that one. I, yeah. I forget how did they change it though? Did they, they didn't like pull the CD? Did they just change it for like streaming? I don't remember what they did with the actual physical copy of it. Certainly. Like I, I guarantee you can go to the far ends of the internet and, and not yeah. be able to find the original version of that. Song. Wow, interesting! Uh, I did not know that. Yeah, that definitely like a a, 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 a digitally removed part of the the Taylor Swift story. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, she she had some early missteps along those lines. And I remember like she like someone asked her about being a feminist, and she she said that she wasn't. And, right. You know, yeah. It's a lot of stuff that like once she became kind of unavoidable in our world, like came back to you know was recirculated. Yeah. And people kind of used it as a case against her. But you know, again, sixteen years old. Right. I, was, I mean, she's a kid. I mean, yeah. I, oh God, I wouldn't want to be held to anything <laughs> I said when I was sixteen. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so uh, yeah, we don't have to dwell on the album much further than that. Uh, but uh, we can move on to Fearless, which was kind of her. Or, you know, coming mm-hmm. out album on the big stage. Uh, it really it was, is crazy that that won album of the year at the Grammys. I do think that's insane. Like it's, insane because it didn't deserve it, or just because, because she was it so didn't young? deserve it. Oh, really? Yeah. No, I think it, I I think it's because of how young she was yeah. and at the the point she was at in her career. It's just like she like I mean, both, but yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just it, that's just wild. Like that just doesn't really happen. Well, you actually might remember this. Like, do you what? What was what was she up against? Who was the favorite going in that year? Oh, do you have any man. sort of memory about that? Um, man, I'm kind of blanking. I think that was I think the year before, like the Eminem and Lady Antebellum. Nah, maybe that that was two years before. Yeah, man, I, I got I'm nothing. I remember watching those Grammys, but I do not remember what she All was right, up let's, against. Let's look it up, right, Joe. Yeah. You got it? <laughs> no, I'm I'm actually looking at the track list now, but I, okay. I can look it up. I, I, I no, I got it. I got well, it. So this is, but, this is fascinating. But, no, uh, I, well, I do remember watching the um, I I do remember watching the ceremony and she performed. Um, was that the Rhiannon? Year? Rhiannon, yeah. yeah, with Stevie Nicks. Um, yeah, I really like that performance. Actually, got got a little bit of flack, but. This this was sort of the birth of award show Taylor in general. Like mm-hmm. you know, she wins the Grammy for Album of the Year, and she's basically at every award show that year. And uh, you know, she she she's uh, the famous surprise face. Yeah, the Taylor Swift surprise face definitely becomes kind of an an early point of mockery for Taylor Swift. Okay, uh, are you guys ready? Mm-hmm. Ready for it? I forget. Yeah. So the one I thought was gonna win. So Fearless One, 2010. The one I thought was gonna win was um, the Dave Matthews Band album, Big Whiskey and the, the Guru Grux King. Wow. Yeah. So the reason Gross. I thought that was gonna win was that was the sentimental favorite because one of the members had passed away right. before the nomination, and they the Grammys loved giving that stuff. So the commercial, the the two commercial ones, actually the the three others were really big commercial pop hits. Uh, the END <laughs> by the Black Eyed Peas. Sure. Wow. The Energy Never Dies, of course, for no. those who aren't yeah. familiar with their Black Eyed Peas acronyms. Um, I Am Sasha, Sasha Fierce from Beyonce. And Lady Gaga, The Fame, which is not a good album. Not particularly. I, but come, no, come it's, on. It's got, I some, mean, it's, it's got some jams, but it's not. It's definitely idols. got some jams, I'll but like for album it. of the yeah, year. Yeah, it's not album Like, of come on. Yeah, I'm fine with Fearless winning but from that competition. I don't I know. I mean, Sasha Fierce can be long, but I think it's a stronger yeah, that's, album. That's probably my least favorite Beyonce album. No, you guys are crazy. I would say Fearless is probably the best of those yeah. five. No, I think, I think not, well, not like dissing it, but I, I really do like a lot of the songs on Fearless, but I do think there's also a, a good deal of filler on it. Oh, the, the, so obviously, like, like the, the first really huge Taylor Swift songs are on yeah. this album. Uh, 
love I mean, yeah, story. You belong. You with belong me. with yeah. me was like so unavoidable. I mean, and that was like a hundred. I don't like. I don't know what it was with that song or that video, but like that was where like she made that crossover into like adults started listening to her and not just teens For and sure. like the gay audience like got wind of it and like latched onto <laughs> Who is that this song. Taylor Swift and, yeah, so I don't. It was that. well, you know, which was odd though because like it was a country singer and and yet like people were mm-hmm. like there for it. Yeah, but that that song. I mean, like it's not a tremendous distance to travel between like Avril Lavigne mm-hmm. and Michelle Branch and and You Belong mm-hmm. With Me. It's it's very familiar. I mean, there's there's a little bit of country to it, maybe in the guitars, and I, mean, I think there was even like a pop version of it that was sent to pop radio, right? Like with with. You know, maybe a little bit less twang and a little bit yeah. more six string. Yeah, but, uh, very Shania. Yeah, but like that song, that's 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 a dynamite song. Like yeah. there, there's no no translation needed to enjoy that mm-hmm. song. I yep. don't think. Yep. Uh, but also, like I, I do think that this is the first album where where she really has some some incredible deep cuts as well. Like like Hey Steven. Yeah. Uh, that that's one of my you know five or six favorite Taylor Swift songs. Hmm. So it's kind of like a, a James Taylor sort of singer song right a throwback but it's just a very sweet love song uh, great chorus great humming and and never been a bad Hay song aside from Hay Soul Sister but every every other <laughs> whoa, Hay song in, whoa. every other Hay song in history has been fantastic and that's, that's no that's no exception certainly uh, it's an interesting claim now I'm like running back through I think, I think I've actually already made that claim on this podcast even during during my and Chris's uh, Hey There Delilah podcast oh well that's so, a terrible so it'd, be a, song. it'd be a familiar take hey it's an entire podcast about that song. Don't be, don't be besmirching the plain wow. white tees on Coming Around Again, Joe. Come on. Even this isn't officially Coming Around Again. <laughs> but uh, Jason, what, what are some of your favorite uh, lesser-known songs in this album? So I'm looking it up. I mean, I, I think that definitely, like, it's just so hard to overshadow the singles on this album. Like, sure. I think You Belong With Me. I think Love Story. Like, these are just, like, 10 out of 10 songs. Shout out to 15, too. That's, 15 that's a, a great 15 song. Remarkable. Yeah, Hey Steven. I mean, White Horse. Um, I I really like I really like the last song change, I like forever and always. Yeah, forever and always the first like angry breakup Taylor song. Yeah, right? mm-hmm. and the first one about a, uh, a celebrity ex, which yeah. is uh, certainly have been important milestone in the Taylor Swift catalog. <laughs> yeah, I mean it, it's it's crazy to think about how, you know, it's it's almost like black and white to Technicolor, like from Taylor Swift to Fearless to bit, me. Yeah. yeah, and it's crazy to me that this. This isn't her most famous album, like by a long shot. Now, like, oh like, yeah, like that album, like it sold like six million. Obviously, won yeah. the album of the year had these two just enormous crossover singles. Probably, there's some Taylor Swift fans out there that have never heard this album. Yeah, like, it, totally. It's not, it's not really like a, a defining album in her catalog anymore, which is crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. It just kind of shows you how big she got afterwards. But, well, quick, quick, important question: If you're doing this album, are we talking the original version or a platinum edition? Uh, definitely, there. It's a, the, the platinum edition is insane because it puts the bonus tracks at the beginning of the album. Yeah, I mean, I, the platinum edition. Yeah. yeah. How does that happen? No I didn't idea. even know that. It, 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 it makes no sense whatsoever. <laughs> uh, but obviously, between this album and the next one, another sort of important. Uh, All right. Another important uh, historical demarcation in the, the Taylor Swift career arc: uh, the 2009 Video Music Awards. Of course, uh, one, one, probably one of the most influential pop culture moments of the century. Yeah, uh, I don't know if you want to call it like the the moon landing of our generation, but certainly <laughs> it's, it's it's something that everyone remembers where they were when it happened. Yeah. Where, where, where were you it's guys? Like the Kennedy assassination of our generation. Yeah, close, really. close to that. Really. So I was uh, with our colleague Chris Payne. Um, I was in our college radio station, and we we saw it on Facebook that like Kanye West just inter- interrupted. Taylor Swift and we didn't see it until later we weren't watching live because our our uh, college radio show was on Sunday nights oh yeah bummer. missed a lot of stuff we missed the Super Bowl that year it's kind of a bummer but anyway but uh like was it easy was it even easy to find video of it back then like because MTV was, was so like precious yeah, for actually, it was, YouTube, I remember. YouTube yeah. was YouTube was going at that point that was like what was it oh nine or not YouTube was certainly around but like I thought like maybe they would get yanked quickly or like it would be the kind nah. of thing we had to rush to find it before they got to take down no. yeah it was we yeah I just remember like I definitely did not watch it live I, re- okay. I remember it happening um and hearing about it but yeah I did not watch it what about you Joe I think I watched it live and I just, I honestly like I didn't like at the time I was like oh that's weird like that, I don't that was remember exactly my reaction I yeah. don't remember thinking of it as this like cataclysmic event but then it just like <laughs> in fact I remember because I was you know like that was when I was starting to write out in entertainment writing and I remember <laughs> just being so surprised that it was like still a story like a week later and that was a story like a decade later like at the time I was just like oh that was a crazy award show moment <laughs> yeah. it's just like this undying thing that like people could not stop talking about. One of the things, and obviously, it's made both of them like 
go off the deep end. One of the things I, I remember very vividly about that um, that uh, week after is that um, Kanye went on the Jay Leno show, like the Tonight Show. Wow. And Jay Leno, like, really, like, played hardball with him and was like, do you, like, his mother had passed away recently and, and Jay Leno legit asked him, like, do you think your mother would be proud of you oh, doing wow. that. Like, I, I swear, like, I remember I was like, ugh. whoa, I don't remember that. <laughs> Jay Leno, hard-hitting journalist. Uh, I do remember the president calling him an ass. Yeah, yeah a jackass. Jackass, yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I sort of the same reaction as Joe. I was, also because, like, people forget, and I've made this point more times across more platforms than I can count, but uh, that entire award show was nuts because it also had, like, Lady Gaga's first big performance yep. as, a, as, like, a pop superstar where she had, like, the paparazzi where she, like, she ends up, yeah, like, bloody and hanging so from the cool. ceiling. And I was like, yeah. like, that, I think, probably was, was more remarkable to me at the time than yeah. the Kanye thing. Uh, and, and there were a couple other, like, big things that happened that year, and it was, it was just a crazy year in general. But, yeah, like, the story lasted forever, mm-hmm. and, like, suddenly everyone had to have a take on it. It was kind of like the beginning uh, of the take euro almost. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, that was the beginning of, like, Twitter time. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that was, really yeah and that was right when Twitter started, too. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, that, that, that was obviously, like, a huge moment in Taylor's story. But after that, uh, she, she she rebounds certainly a lot quicker than Kanye does with, uh, with Speak Now, her third album. It's her, her first uh, album to sell a million in a week. It's the first album that she wrote entirely by herself, and it, it's it's the subject of a, of a long time, long ranging uh, Billboard debate: the yes. uh, the Speak Now crew versus the Red Crew about what, what is Taylor Swift's best album. Yeah, it's not even close. It's definitely Speak Now. Yeah, so you want you want to make the case, Jason? Um, Joe Joe's shaking his head. Well, Joe will get his time, but uh, sadly, you can the floor for now and incorrectly. Um, yeah, so Speak Now is definitely Taylor's least heralded album to me oh, really? that's not true it's a thousand percent true i mean she's had her last four albums three of them have gotten nominated for album of the year one of them did not it was speak now okay um so her you're, last you're, four, you're, you're using the, uh, well, the asterisk for the for the first but, album i presume but, uh, when talking about this. yeah i mean not yeah sure. uh, but also the fact that of the last four albums um this one definitely had the 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 least amount of like big hits i mean i guess the biggest hit was mean i mean mm-hmm. mine was no, a big mine mine i think mine was the highest kind of, charting yeah hit. but i don't think you, anyone would say that mine is one of her 10 biggest songs maybe not at this point probably but that was big back to december was pretty big yeah uh, mean yeah. was certainly yeah I mean, mean is one of my all-time favorites yeah like, i think I that was definitely the, the one i think that's definitely the one that has stuck around the longest um in terms of the kind of like pop culture relevance probably but true. Yeah, I I just don't think in terms of the last four albums compared to Fearless, f- certainly Red, of course, and and nineteen eighty nine. I definitely think it's the least heralded, um, and I think that it's the most cohesive, and it's just has like that. The first half of the album is perfect, like it's yeah. it's a perfect album, and I, I think that if you go from just looking at yeah, like you said, back to December to Dear John, which is obviously like. <laughs> an incredible takedown um, right into mean after that. Like it's just there. The album has so many highs and it's, it's just so like digestible in a sense of like, you know, there's, there's moments where it kind of sounds like a pop punk album a little bit. Then there's songs like kind of twangy. Then there's like the ballads and the, the uptempo like pop rocks. Like, I, I don't know. I, yeah. I'm, I'm all about it. It's, it's almost like structured like a live set to me where like it kind of flows in like quadrants almost where like the, yeah. the first quarter is like the singles. The second quarter is like, like the deeper cuts. And then, then she kind of has like her little genre exercises. Yeah. And then like the, the, the last couple songs are just these kind of anthemic ballads. Uh, and I, I love uh, Last Kiss, by the way. Like the, I, when I was listening to the album recently, uh, like it occurred to me that like the best thing that that album does is that it makes you forget that Last Kiss is coming as the second to last track. Yeah, uh, and it's just a, just a heartbreaking song. Yeah, uh, and Dear John, of course, like th- that that was the song that like the first time I heard it, I was like, they, you know, I I'd, I'd always liked Taylor Swift, and I th- I thought she was a great pop star. But like that was like the song that made me realize like this is just one of the greatest songwriters that we have going right now. Yeah, like every phrase is so pointed. It's 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 the best diss track since Takeover. Such a great. Have you ever done that song at karaoke? I've never done Dear John at karaoke. I bet it'd be really fun. What place even has Dear John? Let's find it. Let's find it. That'd be really fun. So so Joe, you you are not yeah. So as the hater, no, I I I hate. um, I I was shaking my head because I I prefer red but um no i really like i i agree with everything you said about the album i love the album uh in terms of like you know this was the point where i like really regarded her as like an artist versus just like 
a famous musician sure. who like makes some good tunes. Um, you know, it's incredible. Like I remember she had always talked about how she loved Joni Mitchell and I was around the fearless time. I was like, mm, what are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, it's, but, it's a little skeptical, but this a hundred percent, like, you know, reveals that like the, the beauty of the songs, um, you know, they're like very toned down and stark and, you know, it really focuses on her songwriting, which is at an all time high, you know, probably even to this day, like it's probably her best written album. Although innocent is embarrassing, lyrically. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, that's we were just talking about that. That is definitely the the worst song. A l- little bit of an asterisk for innocent, which is unfortunate. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's still a very pretty song. Like the backing yeah. vocals are very like sighing and angelic, and then that's nice. And like the, the melodically, it's kind of flawless, but the lyrics are are very condescending. Yeah, very yeah. condescending. Yeah. Just a little. I mean, it's, it's yeah, it's just she's young, and yeah. it's a very like petty like. <clears throat> needless diss track um but no i think it's i think it's beautiful i think it's great um sparks fly back to december are wonderful mm-hmm. i adore mine and mean but it's just it's a little too too much of the same thing a little maudlin which is wow. why i prefer red because there's just a little more emotional variety and sonic I, variety even though i, I do think red bit. has a good amount of filler so I, I i you know i can see the case for speaking out certainly and it's interesting because like I think authorship has sort of be, been decentralized as a, like an important thing in, especially in pop circles, where it's it's almost like an archaic thing to be like, oh well, you mm-hmm. know, she wrote all the songs herself, like, and like you don't want to get too hung up on that, but you really do hear like what a powerful and personal thing it is when you do hear like one of these incredible pop stars do on an, an album written entirely by themselves, and yeah, you, we've obviously gotten a little bit away from that when Taylor Swift mm-hmm. with the albums that have come out since then, and you know they're still personal and they're still you know meaningful, but it's just not quite the same. And I think that's probably why there is a, a subset of fans like Jason and myself that really latch onto this as like the definitive Taylor Swift album. Yeah, yeah, it's it's just like I, I mean I I feel like. The my most pretentious self when I when I'm just like actually guys yeah it's definitely the one without the big hits uh, speak now mm-hmm. her best by far but that that is really how I feel yeah and, and I also want to talk a little bit about the uh, the tour that accompanied this album because this was the first one where she started doing the thing where like every city she goes to she breaks out like she brings out like a, another like local musician from that city that like means something to her yeah so like you know she'll. She she brought out the like uh, Jimmy Eat World at her Arizona show and she, yeah. she uh, when the one I saw her at this is actually the first time I saw Taylor Swift live was uh, she brought out Johnny Resnick of the Goo Goo Dolls to play Iris it's wow. like all of New York she chooses Johnny Resnick that's fine though I mean like it, it, it was very personal <laughs> to her and it also just kind of showed like it was one of my, one of my <laughs> two is going to bring up like the New York Dolls yeah, yeah like, like, goes to Frank Sinatra who yeah. knows you know uh, but uh, <laughs> brings up like TV on the radio <laughs> <laughs> could have been but it, it, I was fine with the Goo Goo Dolls I love, you know, shout out to Johnny Resnick but uh, you know it's one of my favorite things about Taylor is that she is a huge music fan and a yeah. huge pop mm-hmm. nerd and and her you know, she she also brought out like Nelly in St. Louis, yeah. and she brought out uh, I think I can't remember if it was on this tour, but like she would bring out Carly Simon. Like she she mm-hmm. she could cross genres, she could cross generations. Like she was very she's she's very much like a, a a pop acolyte, and she's very studied, but not in a way that makes her feel too like brainy or cerebral yeah. about it. It's it's a very authentic kind of love for music, and even like. You know, when she would sing along to whatever song was being played at an award show that she was at, you'd mm-hmm. see her in the audience dancing with Selena Gomez or whatever. Like that that's like one of my favorite Taylors. Uh, and also around this time that she uh, she shouts out uh, Nicki Minaj's super bass in a radio interview and basically like takes that song into the stratosphere. Yep. Uh, yeah, that's true. So yeah, it's a thing that I, I think she doesn't personally get necessarily get enough credit for. Uh, have you guys ever seen her live or did you see her on this tour? Or? I saw her. She actually played. Um there was like this fan event when the, the day the album came out, she played a fan event in New York. It was just like her and a bunch of like squealing fans. Sure. So I saw her then. And then I saw her on the 1989 tour. Those are the only times I've seen her. Sadly. Oh, I guess I've seen her at like a probably, Oh, at the j- like jingle ball. Sure. Yeah. And like, I think I heart radio fest, but I think that might be it. And what about you, Jeff? I've never seen her never live. Seen actually. Wow. Which I would like to remedy, but you know, people always claim those billboard tickets. Are, <laughs> they're, they're, they're in demand. They're expensive. Yeah, you know, certainly it's true. It's a hard time dropping that much money on a yeah. concert. Well, oh. anyway, so if, if this was uh, like a relatively minor album for her chart, wise by the way, still sells a million in a week and goes yeah, you know, no, four it, times platinum, has several top ten hits. So certainly, if, if this is like as big of a dip as she gets, she's still doing fine. And but, it was t- totally acclaimed too. Yeah, I mean, it was you know hardly under the radar. But anyway, her next album uh, she sees her going kind of full fledged into the pop world. You know, she'd always been 
yeah, at least a foot in pop. You know, it's certainly not familiar, not unfamiliar terrain for her. But this time she's actually working with Max Martin and Shellback and Jeff Basker and Dan Wilson and people like that. And that's that's on Red, which is her fourth album. Uh, and uh, so I guess, Joe, I'll, I'll give you the floor now to make your case for, for right, Red Joe. as her defining masterpiece. I, I just I mean, masterpiece is maybe I don't know if the word I would use, but I just think it's like the defining Taylor Swift album, because I, th- I think like to me, like defining Taylor Swift needs the singer songwriter. It needs the pop. It needs like a little bit of outrageous, like dance to the point where you're like oh you maybe aren't totally comfortable doing this kind of song but like it, it needs I, 22 is what you're saying i like that you're trying it and yeah like the bass drop on um we are or not we're never getting back together I knew um, you were trouble. yeah i knew you were yeah. trouble like again like maybe it's a little too much for a taylor swift song but i like that she's taking those risks and being a little like you know getting out of her comfort zone but i also do think it just has some of her best songs like State of Grace is gorgeous. It's such an incredible album opener. Sure. Um, the title track is maybe my favorite Taylor Swift song. I think the lyrics are just beautiful. That like opening guitar riff is gorgeous. Um, I, I can't do the. Uh, re- eh, 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 oh, I love eh, that. Eh, eh, eh. Like that. That's like I was talking that's about this with one. with. Uh, and it's a great hook. I not not that. not to step on your point too much, but I, I was talking about this with Chris recently. A lot a lot of shoutouts to Chris Payne on this Chris podcast. Chris Payne, yeah. Of and we're talking about like how the production on this album, I think, is like actually dated the most of any of the Taylor Swift albums, uh, and it's kind of moments like that. Like she was definitely leaning into like the EDM era at the peak of that, and like you know, there, it's not like there's a ton of songs with like dubstep inflections on this album, but you can definitely hear it, and especially in the big singles, and it, it definitely takes it back to that moment for me. Not necessarily in a bad way, but in, like a very conspicuous way. Yeah, I think the red is so light though. She's like she like v- barely leans in. I think it works uh, for me. It's, it's distracting for me. Here's here's my thing about red. You ready for this, Joe? Mm-hmm. I really like it. Obviously, it's a, it's a great album. It's definitely a transition album. Like it's it it just it's is. True. And yeah. and I think that's why I I love it a little bit less because you're right that she's trying things. Um, but it doesn't some of those things don't feel fully formed. Like, we, we were talking about how I don't like I Knew You Were Trouble. Like, I just don't really, really like I, that, I song love that song at all. Crazy. And I think that everything that she does in 1989 is, like, a refined version of something like I Knew You Were Trouble. I th- the, the juxtaposition between the verses and the chorus for I Knew You Were Trouble, like, that get, that gets me. It, it's it's really interesting. Like, you forget, like, the way that song starts. It almost starts like a ska song. It's got, like, kind of a skank to it. Yeah. And then, yeah, it hits on the chorus with the, 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 the bass drop. It, it's not like flawless by any means and it's interesting to me that that kind of became like the big radio hit from this Mm -hmm. album like i meant to mention this at the start of this album but this this album had our first hot 100 number one hit yeah we are never getting getting back together fantastic song really fun video but like who talks about that song anymore like i feel like me i feel like that song's almost gotten like forgotten in this album's overall story i feel like way more people talk about i knew you were trouble or 22 or even all too well as we were were talking about Mm -hmm. recently it's kind of one of our definitive uh deep cuts and certainly one of my favorite taylor swift songs too yeah but yeah like like we are never getting back together that was such a huge song for its moment and then it feels like it almost evaporated afterwards yeah yeah i can see that it's al- it's almost to me like she it the fact that i knew you were trouble was more extreme in it's in its kind of sound made it more memorable um but yeah i just think that like there are it's kind of and we'll get into reputation but like there are in in a similar way she's taking a lot of chances on um on red but i think that it's just like i don't know it's just like kind of dabbling in in different modes then like some are really great and some of them are like that snow patrol guy song yeah that was I had not great totally forgotten yeah. about that until i was yeah. listening to it again recently gary lightbody yeah, what are you doing like, on this album yeah it's just like and like look i don't i don't dislike it but it's just like i think that it kind of taints it for me a little bit i yeah. think that's a weak track but i i do also think it just has like the most like 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 variety to yeah, of her yeah. and i think you're right it's transitional but I, I like that it kind of brings all those things together one thing that um, was missing on 1989 that I appreciate is back on reputation is like a sense of her humor whereas like we are never ever getting back together like you know the whole indie record that's much cooler than mine she, she, she has it out for hipsters on this album man and oh, I love totally, it yeah, yeah a perfect night to dress up like hipsters I mean there's there's a lot of like really like cute soft barbs sure. like thrown at people yeah. and you know she does goofy voices like I appreciate that like it's human in a way that um, 1989 was like very like um, steely. It was very steely. Yeah, that's a great word for it. Yeah. I'm curious uh, for your guys' take on one song because uh, 
you know, I, I had never really considered uh, Holy Ground that much uh, as like an important song on this album. But then uh, the the essay that Sam Lansky wrote for us about Red was a phenomenal essay, and then he talks about that being like his favorite Taylor Swift song, and like like the kind of the key to the whole album. And I almost wondered if like if that's the song that's like kind of the inflection point on whether or not you're in on Red or not, is if you understand Holy Ground. So I'm curious where you guys fall on that one. I can see that. I can see that. I mean, I think that. I don't know. I think that we are never ever getting back together is om- is almost like the linchpin of that album okay. because it, it kind of comes in the middle. It, it it kind of nods to, you know, the country pop a little bit. I mean, I remember hearing that song. Um, I, I remember uh, Taylor Swift's publicist came in um, to the Billboard office in 2012 and was like, "This is gonna blow your mind," <laughs> and like put it on. And I I really liked it. I was like. And I said out loud, I was like, this sounds like an Avril Lavigne song. And she got oh, so offended. No. Um, and I meant it as a huge compliment. Yeah, she uh, doesn't obviously. know you as well, sweetie, Jason. <laughs> yeah. And she was like, no. But uh, no, I, I think that it's like that kind of captures the spirit uh, of it a little bit. What do you think of Holy Ground, Joe? Um, I like Holy Ground a lot. I think it's great. It's not. I, it's definitely not one of my favorite Taylor Swift songs. I also reading the essay, I was kind of like, huh. Like yeah. I, I wouldn't like have cited that as like the key song from the album. Um, quick shout out though to Begin Again, which I do yeah. think is one of yeah, the finest awesome. like, lyrically and musically. Also, just a very like adult, mature, beautiful sentiment. Oh, great choice to to hold for the closer too. Yes, very smart. Yeah, especially the, I don't love this most of the second side of Red that much. That's definitely where the album gets a little watery for me, aside from a couple songs here and there. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like it's worth sticking around for that one certainly. She has that that song has one of my favorite like line deliveries that Taylor Swift's ever done, where she goes um, when like you put, take the pull the chair out and she's like. You don't know how nice that feels, but she like means it so much. <laughs> like she, she does. You don't know how nice that feels. Uh man. Anyway, yeah. Uh, and this is sort of the album where I feel like everyone started paying attention to her. Like even if you, 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 you were a, a snobby critic, or whether you're a, you know a, a diehard pop fan, country rock, whatever. Like everybody, everybody had an opinion on Taylor Swift by the time the red came out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This, this is the album. You know. I guess it still didn't get reviewed everywhere, but it, it was certainly like the album where okay, now now Taylor Swift has to be part of the discussion, no matter what discussion you're having. Yeah, uh, and that certainly rolled into the next album, which was 1989, came out in 2014. Wait, quick one thing: Do you remember when it was the Grammys and they were announcing Album of the Year, and Red was up for Album of the Year, and she thought she won for a second because they Daft Punk won for Random Access Memories, oh, and they were like, and the winner is Random, <laughs> and you could like see it in her face, like sort of explode, and then be like, oh wait, it's not me. I, I do not remember that. Yep, but, that's a great, that's a YouTube clip. Everyone well, should look. It's up. a lot easier for Daft Punk to be stoic than Taylor Swift. Right, exactly. yeah. they, they hid their reactions really well. Yeah. <laughs> but in any event, uh, 1989, uh, full Max Martin experience, uh, her best sales week ever, best mm-hmm. sales week for anybody in over a decade. Three number one hits on the Hot 100. It basically makes her unquestionably, at least until Adele comes back, makes her unquestionably the biggest pop star in the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, is this one of her best albums? Ooh, the, 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 the silence speaks volumes. I would probably rank it third. Okay. I, I th- what, what do you yeah. think, Joe? Yeah, I think it's in the, in the middle of her six, I would say. I mean, there's songs I really, really love on it, and I love that she went full pop. Um, but... Yeah, I mean, some of the, the the filler is very... I mean, I guess I'm saying this about all our albums to a degree, but, like, there's some pretty slight filler on it. I mean, like, Stay, 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 like, Oof. honestly just sounds like a jingle for a commercial. Yeah, it's like definitely got that kind of iPhone sound to it. Yeah, yeah. it's just a little too much. And, um, yeah, and then there's some where you, like, look at the Wait, track stay, list. Stay, Stay, Stay on, on Red? Oh, was that on Red? Yeah, that's on Red, uh, guys. Yeah, whoops. <laughs> wow. Oh, whoops. Oh, oh, the merits. The merits for Joe and myself. You're thinking yeah. all, of All You Have to Do is Stay. I am stay. thinking of All You Have to Do is Stay. Yeah. Um, which, actually, I do like yeah, that one. A, but even... Yeah. Um, whoops. Just kidding. Yeah, yeah like, I, I agree with you, like, uh, towards the back. I mean, and it, it is, I think, sort of fair to say, as you guys both scrambled to check the 1989 track list, <laughs> it, it is sort of fair to say... Uh, well, what, 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 oh, we just have the track list? All right. All right, there we go. Thank, thank you for pulling that up. Uh... I think it is fair to say that she's never had like a lean album. That she's never had an album like totally devoid of filler. Yeah. Every one of them, like around the three quarters mark, I think starts to get a little bit. How you get the girl is is pretty slight. Oh yeah, that that that's a bad one. I don't like. I know places that much. Yeah. Uh, this honestly, is, uh, this I okay. don't like bad blood. Like I think that's yeah. not a great song. 
the 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 lyrics on that are pretty terrible. Um, but on the in the good, you know, there are like now that we've you know torn it apart. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, it sucks. I, I think Wildest Dreams is one of her best written, okay. like most just like really subdued, beautiful production. Um, style like if she had pushed for that, like that easily could have been a number one. Yeah. Like I feel like the video was kind of an afterthought if oh, she had man. given it a yeah, full video and real video? promo. Like that could have gone number one for sure. So, um, I, well, blank space, like one of her most incisive, like self-aware lyrics. That performance was it the AMAs or the AMAs? Grammy? Yeah, it was uh, so, good. so good. So good. Yeah, remember that? That was awesome. Uh, yeah, I'd forgotten how strong this album starts. Like the yes. one, two, three of Welcome to New York, Blank Space, and Style. Style. Like that's if she if she had been able to keep that up for a whole album then yeah. I, would, I would say that'd be her best album but yeah. uh did you, will you, as uh, as fellow new yorkers will you, will you guys give her welcome to new york i know a lot of people I have problems I yeah. say well here's the thing i feel like people unfairly <laughs> Our producer is, is looking at us very skeptically right now but uh i think she doesn't people... have a microphone in front of her unfortunately <laughs> people unfairly like like if you look at it like oh this is an all-time anthem for the city it's silly but like if you look at it for in my sense what it is it's like it's like the diary entry of someone who like just arrived at New York. She's yeah. really excited about the city, about the possibilities. She's a little naive because she doesn't fully understand what the city is all about yet. Mm-hmm. But like that's a very honest to her experience and honest to a lot of people. Like and that's like kind of what the city is all about. Like people showing up and being like wide-eyed but not fully understanding what's yeah. going on really. And I think if you look at it that way, it it's a perfect summation of that. Yeah, um <laughs> I I think that um I think it's a great song. Like I think I think it's it's really fun and I I think I mean, here's the thing about 1989. It out of all I think this is definitely her most I I already said that like Speak Now was her most like cohesive album and, and I think I I should have said consistent because I think that 1989 is her most cohesive album. Okay. In the sense of like there is a current running through this entire album where I it's hard to listen to a song on this album and mistake it for existing on another album even though you you did the even inverse I just did that. <laughs> no yeah. you did the inverse of That's mistaking true. a red song for 19 but like you would never think of like you'd, you'd never be like oh what album is style on or blank space or yeah, like it's a fair point. new romantics like there it's mm-hmm. all very much of a piece and i appreciate that my, my favorite thing about this album might not actually be anything on the album itself, but just that, like, it was that kind of late 80s blockbuster album that spins off a million singles and yeah. lasts forever. Like, I, I don't think the album is actually that authentically 80s sounding. Or no, not, not like, at all. Not yeah. the way she intends and the way when she talks about, you know, like, Annie Lennox and Madonna. It doesn't sound anything Yeah, like that. not really. I mean, and maybe, like, a little bit of the spirit of it, but what it is is the largesse. It's, it's the fact that pop yeah. was, was now playing on that, that like, super stadium level. Where like you yeah like, like, an album could could be number one for eleven weeks and it yeah. could have three number one singles and a couple other top tens like yeah. it, it, it and that I, I kind of enjoyed living in that moment because you know you don't get you don't get it very often these days. Can I tell you guys a, a dirty secret? Ooh, <laughs> I think "Out of the Woods" might be my favorite song on this album. Oh, I'm very sorry to hear that. I, I think that like, I think that's a great. I really love that song. Too. I think that song dialed down the Jack Antonoff. On yeah, that one. Like, I know, I man. I like, look, I I really just like it. I think I think it's just the. I think it's definitely the song I return to the most. It's um, in my head the most of any song on this album. Well, that's almost not a fair fight. I mean, like that that I'm, song is basically like a mantra. Like you can't really. Uh, yeah, you can't can't really give that one too much points for too many points for 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 getting stuck in there. something. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, uh, clean yeah, is we, a, we, we should mention beautiful, clean. beautiful song. Again, it's sort of the begin again trick too. It's mm-hmm. like ending it with this sort of like it's kind of sad, but like more vaguely optimistic sort of looking forward. Um, it's just out. it's beautiful. Shout out to Image and Heap. Yeah, yeah. definitely. And I, I do like that. It that like on an album with so many hit singles, it both starts and ends with like a deep cut fan favorite. Mm-hmm. That like you have to actually listen to the album to to get to. And I I, I do enjoy that part of it certainly. Uh, so yeah, this this is sort of the, the probably the last moment for Taylor as like the universally acclaimed pop star. Yeah, because uh, obviously we we have Kanye versus Taylor Mach two. Uh, yeah, and, and it was a 2016, early 2016. 2016. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, did, did that change your opinions of Taylor at all? Did, did did you think it was just out of proportion at the time? And we don't we don't have to go too deep on it. But it was uh, pretty wild to me. Like looking back on it, like it's crazy that it happened. Yeah, it's crazy that it's ha- like that. That was always kind of my opinion. Is like. Holy crap! What the hell is going on? Were you up when it happened, or did you wake up to it? In the morning? I was up when it happened. I was actually in Chicago at Pitchfork Fest, so it was very strange that like I spent the day watching like indie bands, 
and then came home to like this huge <laughs> this like pop star yeah, feud. mass culture moment yeah what cool. about what about you joe um i mean i don't know the whole it just like the whole thing honestly annoys me yeah, like it's, wow. it's kind of like this is probably the last time i'm gonna bring up this topic like, yeah in, in it's conversation just like, and I, it's really life, just like know? i think the glut of think pieces about it were just like exhausting and like not super revelatory um I mean, I think that the most annoying thing in terms of, like, if I'm criticizing her is just mm-hmm. that, like, she has this tendency to, like, never apologize for anything. She's just more of, like, sure. has exp- explanations and, like, takes and excuses. And, like, at some point, like, I just appreciate someone to be like, you know what? I was sort of misleading or maybe I didn't give the best impression. I'm sure. sorry. Like, that's that's something I would, would enjoy seeing from her. But, um, but like, do I think she's, like, a, a demon or a snake? I mean, like, I don't know. I also don't care. Like, I mean, yeah. if you're, like, a music fan, like, most of the people, like, I mean, maybe, like, Paul McCartney is the exception, but, like, most people... Well, he's got some skeletons in the closet, man. <laughs> Just you wait about Paul McCartney. The reckoning's coming. <laughs> yeah, he, he had a chicken nugget once, despite <laughs> being a vegetarian. Um, like, most people, like, are, like, either, like, have done bad things or, like, actually really shitty people. So it's just, like, this whole, like, did she, like, say something misleading about Kim Kardashian? I'm, like, I genuinely don't care. Like, this isn't going to make me dislike her music. Like, and no, yeah. I'm not invested in her as a human anyways. Like, she's not my friend. I'm not going to, like, I don't feel let down or anything. Yeah, that, that, that's all fair. Uh, the one thing I will say is that I do think that, both Kanye and Taylor are more interesting for the other one's existence because they're both such yeah. interesting natural foils for the other one. Yep. Yes. Like the, the most like Bill Simmons thing I've ever written was something I wrote for Spin about comparing the Kanye and Taylor feud with the Shaq and Kobe feud. Wow. About how like, even though like they'll, they, they just don't speak the same language and they'll never, like, like anytime they ever tried to kind of make nice mm-hmm. in public, it always just felt super awkward and uncomfortable. Yes. Because like they they come at pop from so completely different ways, you know. Yeah. Kanye is the uh, the, the anarchic kind of like mm-hmm. fuck everything up and let's just rebuild it and, and you know destroy the album format forever. Whereas Taylor's like, okay, let's plan out this album five years in advance and like get the strategy down and like, start start you know marketing it like years and then have, like, have everything about the perfect lead up and everything so perfectly curated for her experience. And then the fact that the two of them keep kind of like falling in and out of each other's lives in these really dramatic ways, just kind of like it serves to emphasize like just how unique their personalities are in the pop sphere. And and it's, it's interesting in a way that I think keeps the feud compelling, even as it becomes like oppressively overdramatic. So you, you would say right now it's kind of like Kanye is like Shaq in Phoenix. No, I would actually say that. <laughs> and God, and, ta- and Taylor just got Pau Gasol, or <laughs> yeah, sure. Let's, let's go with that. I, I, I'd actually more more easily draw the comparison between Shaq and Taylor and Kanye and Kobe because uh, Shaq is also very calculating uh, and he wants everybody to like him. Where Kobe's like, "Fuck it, man, let's let's just play basketball. Like that's what matters. Is is the is the yeah. art." I saw it. I saw it as as Kobe the perfectionist in terms of like. You know, just caring about stats. Yeah. Anyway, and then, but the other interesting thing is that, like, in both feuds, <laughs> we've I'm, lost I'm, Joe. Completely. I'm sorry, Joe. I, I promise I the last no point I'm going to make about, about this. The other interesting yeah. thing is that in both feuds, like, the public perception of it has shifted so many times. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, it seems like one of them is the good guy, one of them is the bad guy, and then it totally switches, and then it, sometimes it's kind of gray, and like, it, it's just really interesting. Like, you don't see feuds like that that aren't just about like one petty thing that lasts forever. It's like, this is really about these are two fundamentally different pop stars <laughs> trying to occupy the same space, and I find that really interesting. Yeah. Before we talk about the new album, I just want to take a quick uh, moment to talk about uh, any favorite like non-album tracks or bonus tracks or anything that we haven't talked about yet so far that uh, you want to give an extra shine to. Oh, Safe and Sound, for sure. Sure. From the, the Hunger, Hunger Games, Games yeah. yeah. That's a good song. Beautiful song, yeah. Civil Wars. Yeah. Represent. Great song. Um, I don't want to step on your toes, but I, I do want to say you wrote a, a really beautiful piece about the song Ronin. Oh, thank you, Joe. Um, it was a wonderful essay about that. And it was a song that I'd heard, I think, once and kind of forgot about. But oh, like yeah, that song's awesome. reading your piece and then listening to it, like very moving. Yeah, just some quick background on Ronin for those not familiar. It was a charity single released by Taylor Swift in 2012 about uh, a mother and son. Who, who The mother had a blog about her, her four-year-old son who was dying of cancer and eventually did die of cancer. And uh, she only performed the song once. It was at a stand-up to cancer benefit. And she only and she she played it once again live when the mother was in in the audience in an Arizona show in the 1989 tour. But just just a brutal song. Just and it has the same kind of. It's actually taken from passages on her blog. Like that's where the lyrics are taken from. But it's it's still got Taylor's phrasing and it's it's just beautifully incisive and and just unbelievably heartbreaking. Like mm-hmm. I I almost feel bad. Like I would say go listen to that song because it's a great song. But a it's really difficult to find because it's not on streaming and yeah. uh, not really on YouTube either. 
and also it's just like you don't need that song in your life because it will just ruin your day yeah. it, it's, it's a brutal <laughs> bleak kind of but, but it's also very beautiful and it, yeah. it's uh it's it's an important part of her catalog even though it's not necessarily a part of her story because she kind of avoided it afterwards uh i also wanted to shout out uh christmas is when you were mine off of the <laughs> joe lynch approved <laughs> taylor swift christmas album uh another just heart-wrenching song uh and like that, that album is kind of terrible. Like it's it's only like five songs. I think there's a couple like a couple standards and uh, yeah, okay. a couple like super religious originals, and they're, they're not that remarkable. But that's like that's like the most heartbreaking Christmas song since last Christmas to me. And that that's that's one that I really would say that check that one out in time for the holiday season. Wow. Yeah. Uh, All right. I'm surprised nobody wants to go to bat for New Romantics. I thought that was the. Well, I think that uh, I don't know. I like that song more than I do. Really? Yeah. I, I, I agree with Jason, but I also, like, kind of just considered that a 1989 song. Like, okay. it's, yeah. like, kind of, like, I don't know. Like, it's just it's the bonus version. Like, it's part of the album, basically. Yeah. Um, The one, I was trying to find the name of it. What was, uh, oh, Sweeter Than Fiction is, okay. the, the other, is a good. Is the other song from that soundtrack? That's No, the, it's from, like, a random soundtrack. Yeah, it's oh. from um, That's One what... Chance, which, wait, what? I don't Yeah, it's, I don't know. Know. <laughs> it's a random <laughs> movie, but that was, that was. Jack and Jack Antonoff and Taylor Swift's first collaboration. Really? Yeah. Oh, I have no memory of that. That's yeah. interesting. Uh, I do want a quick shout out to Today Was a Fairy Tale, which was actually a Ooh, number two, a great one. Number two yeah, pop on the Hot 100, hit. but nobody kind of disappeared. Nobody, yeah, nobody yeah. remembers that song. I think it was from some of an awful soundtrack. I can't remember. It's like, Wasn't it for Valentine's yeah, Day? Yeah. Which she was <laughs> never yeah. Not a approval from a producer. Yeah. I couldn't remember if it was like Valentine's Day or Mother's Day or. So New she Year's was Year. in Valentine's yeah, Day and The Giver, right? That's right, the extent yes. of her film career. <laughs> have you ever seen either of those movies? I saw The I've Giver. Seen both of her clips from it, and they're just like nothing. Yeah. I mean, not like insulting her. She's just in it for like two seconds. You would think that. Why did so, that happen? You would think that somebody like <laughs> as trained at like putting on public faces as Taylor Swift would be a, a better, or at least like a more prolific actress. Isn't yeah. that kind of surprising? Uh, I see her being a really bad actress, honestly. Like, <laughs> why? You, you saw, you've seen her on SNL. Like, she like she doesn't have the timing. She's a, like, it's a totally different skill set, honestly. Like, being able to like emote properly. <laughs> Like she's like she's like funny in the sense that if you're like in a group of people, I'm sure she's a riot. But like, is she? <laughs> you don't want to see her doing stand up. Entertaining at the laugh person yeah. to watch, like a room full of people to watch. Like, no. Like, uh, does does do an excellent job playing dual roles in the "You Belong with Me" video, though. Got to give her yeah, credit for that. True. Well, music video acting is a very different animal than feature film acting, <laughs> no, that's, that's as we know true. from that's Madonna, who eventually <laughs> did become quite good, but oh, early on, you know, it was a little rough. It was a fair point, Joe. I apologize. Uh, and so I guess that, that that brings us to the new album. Uh, Jason, you wrote our album of the week essay for it. I do did. You, you want to take the lead here? Uh, sure, yeah. So um, I, I, I heard the album a couple of days before uh, it Brag. came out. Oh, <laughs> come on. No big deal, no big deal. Um, and I... I was really, I was really surprised at its lyrical focus. Like this is from "Look What You Made Me Do." It, it, it really seemed like all of these songs were going to be like "Look What You Made Me Do" and the other really kind of anti-Kanye, anti-like hater song, which is "This Is Why We Can't Have Nice Things." But it, the rest of the album really isn't in that vein at all. Like it's what I wrote about is like it's more of, of a of a romance, or it's almost like a love story. But it's it just say yes. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, but <laughs> but it's it's very much like an adult like love story coming from a twenty seven year old who is no longer thinking about like sweeping romance. Is more about like finding someone who knows her baggage and mm-hmm. like will will be okay with that. And um, you know, there are moments on this album where she's like, "This isn't going to last. Like, what do we do? Do we continue having fun or?" do we say goodbye and, and be, and be realistic about it? like it, there, there are a lot of, there are a lot of passages on this album that, that speak to a much more like grounded romance than we're used to with Taylor Swift. Even, even 1989 had these kind of sweeping songs sure. and sweeping gestures, but, but also like in terms of, we were talking earlier about how this definitely does seem to be of a piece um, sonically, where she's basically she drove the whole album with Max Martin and, and Jack Antonoff, and the album does kind of form as a piece a little a little bit less than 1989, but um, there's definitely a lot of experiments on here. But it, it there's still like overarching like big synths, big choruses, drum machine, um, and yeah, I mean, look, I, I think at the end of the day, it's it's definitely like 
like I said, her messiest album. Um, but I, in a way, I really appreciate. It. I, I think that um, she takes a lot of risks on this, and and she could have just made another 1989 or another like tweak of 1989. This doesn't really sound like 1989 at all to me. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I I just kind of appreciate it. I, I feel like this is an album like I'll I'll explore more because because of its like rougher edges. So I don't know, Joe. How are you feeling? Um. I mean, yeah, I'm I'm all aboard. I think it's a great. I agree with what you said, Jason. You know, and I think kind of what I said earlier. Like, I was worried that it would be um, kind of experimental in a, a way that didn't work. But I think she yeah. hasn't really veered too far out of her comfort zone. Um, I think I think there's a lot of. I mean, you know, we talked about her lyrics before. I, I feel like 1989 was good. Like, I'm not going to criticize the lyrics, but like. I feel like the lyrics are probably stronger on this one. There's just a lot, yeah. like, on first listen, there's a lot of imagery that strikes me, like, very specifically. Like, the the line in Getaway Car, I knew from the first Old Fashions, we were cursed, is, like, such, like, it takes you, you one, you get a sense of, like, the entire story with that line. And it's yeah. such a specific image. You know, it really takes you into the first mm-hmm. moments of that relationship. Um and yeah, I'm trying. Like, delicate is another like it's great my favorite song. song. Really? It's, a, yeah. it's a fantastic one. Yeah. If I was gonna say that there are two absolutely perfect songs on this album, do you guys know what they are? Probably delicate and dress. I was gonna say dress and gorgeous. I, gorgeous I, I, really I love great. gorgeous. Yeah. yeah. Like, I think that might be a better pop song than anything on 1989. I yeah. Think it's just a what, the, song. the line about like stumbling home to my cats alone and then so the good. unless you want to come along is so great and, and the little ding that kind of serves yes. as a punchline yeah. oh, yes so good. again the humor is back and i yeah. also really like that she's in a lot of ways like becoming more human on this album like so that song starts out with like we know in the song that she's dating someone he's not there but she's like basically trying to cheat on him like and she also takes this role on in other songs where she's kind of like taunting her lover she's saying you know like I basically admits like I've been leading you on this whole time. She, she plays the cat basically. Yeah. Whereas yeah. Taylor of three albums ago would have been furious with uh. that person. Now she's like embracing it and just kind of being like, you know what? This is what adult life is like. Yeah. And I love that about it. Definitely. Like it's very mature and it's, it's, you know, it's also pretty bold, honestly, for like a pop star, a female pop star to take that role, like to acknowledge the kind of like I'm using another person in a relationship yeah. or, you know, sexual sense. It's the kind of song that, like, any number of male country stars would sing totally straight-faced and unironically. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but she, she does it with, like, a really obvious wink and, like, yeah, the, yeah. Self-referential, yeah, the self-referential line about her cats, which is just fantastic. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. that, that's, that song is a knockout. That's a 10 mm-hmm. out of 10. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I do want to talk about Dress for a second because that, that, that song blew my mind, like – it's not, you know, it's not a revolutionary pop song by any stretch of the imagination. As I, I wrote something about it today, and I, I, I compared it at great lengths to FKA Twigs' as Two Weeks, which I, I think it, yes. it, it mirrors the structure of. And some All of right. The little songwriting tricks, like, very closely. But she's just so good at it. And, yeah. like, considering that it's it's a song that's way more sensual than she's ever really attempted before. You know, she's kind of giving you drips and drabs of, like, mm-hmm. lustful Taylor over the years. This is the first song where she ever really goes for it, and there's a line, like, uh, I'm not even going to get it right at this point, but uh, I only I, bought this dress so you could take it off. Yeah. Only yeah. wore this dress. Only bought this dress. Yeah. One of the two. Yeah. Uh, like the, and, and she leans into it. She repeats it. It's the, it's the core lyric of the song. Yeah. Uh, but she has the production to back it up, and, and every song, just every, every moment of it just hits just right. And I, 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 was, I was blown away by it. Yeah. Yeah. And the interesting thing to me about the way this album is being received so far is that you know a lot of people are commenting about how the four advanced tracks on the album aren't the best songs, which I think we would all probably agree with at this point. I no? not agree with that. Really? I, I, I think right. that's so been before, an overstated. But before I make my second point, why, why don't you give me a rebuttal on that one? Um, are you ready for it? I'm not in love with. Um, I mean, Gorgeous is one of those first four songs, like you said, it's one yeah. of the best in the album. Call It What You Want, I think, is in the album's top half. Mm, and yeah. I genuinely love Look What You Made Me Do. Like, I think that's... I've come around on that song. Yeah, too. I think it's it's great. Um, it's I like just, it more in the context It's of the got album. so much attitude, and it's just a great, like, kind of... You know, it's like her coming back and basically being like, fuck you to everyone. That, that's fair. And I, I do have to say that, like, the beginning of Ready For It, like, as the first sound you hear on the album, is just the, those bass thuds. Like, well, that's pretty yeah. And her clearing yeah. her throat as, like, the first vocal part in the album pretty is good. kind of genius. But I, I do, th- I mean, that is sort of the narrative that's been pervasive, I think, in the, in the way it's been received. And I, I do 
mostly agree with it. I like I like I, I think that dress is the best song. I think uh, New Year's Day is probably better than a, than a bunch of the uh, totally than a bunch of the, the yeah. advanced tracks. And but the, the interesting thing to me is that people seem like angry about it almost. They they feel like they were <laughs> they feel like they were misled like by Taylor Swift yeah. to, to have those four songs be the advanced tracks. And I don't think like her, her her singles have never been the best songs on her albums. I don't think, or at least not like in a way where not it's like, oh, fearless, obviously, yeah. yeah, yeah, not since Fearless, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah I agree. I, yeah, I guess I agree with you. I I think that and we talked about it this morning. Um, it really is like, look what you made me do, which just really threw people off. Sure. Yeah, like you listen to that, you're like, oh crap, like she's gonna bring the fire on this one. Like she's gonna name names, and she just she doesn't really, yeah. except for one other song. So. That's okay. It's just like, yeah, it, I think that might have thrown people off for sure. Yeah, and, and you, you make this point really well in your essay. And, and you, you, when talking about the album just now, like, it's not what this album was about. And, like, none of what's come up before this album was what this album was about. Yeah. And I, I was talking, again, I was talking with, with Nick Cattucci earlier, and he was saying, like, oh, I'm, I'm kind of, I don't really want to listen to this album. Like, I've really gotten tired of Taylor over the last year or so with all the, all the, the stuff that's gone on, gone on before this album, gone into the marketing promotion of it. And I, I was trying to say to him, like, Listen to this album. I think you'll see that all of that was just marketing. Yeah, and that this album stands on its own. Yeah, I and totally agree. Like it's, it's getting back to that, like like Taylor the songwriter versus Taylor the pop star. We we finally have an album of Taylor the songwriter again, and I, I think it's great. And I think it's I think it's one of her best. Yeah. All right. Any any closing remarks on Taylor Swift, guys? Or wow. I think we've probably gone long enough as is. <laughs> I think we're good. All right. I'm, a, I'm in. I'm gonna enjoy listening to this album this weekend. Yeah, me too. I'm I, very much. Yeah. I, I said because of it not being on streaming and because like it only came out at midnight last night. I've only like, listened to it a couple times so far. I'm looking. Yeah. I'm looking forward to, to digging into it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Let's do it. All right. Thanks for All coming right. on, guys. All right. Thanks, thanks for having. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.